0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com. Forbes, and MFNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got to cover. And now on with the show. My guest today is Bob Wiesner. After 18 years with the world's largest ad agencies, Bob shifted his focus to the individual persuasion of a seller relative to a buyer. He's advised on over 400 transactions in the last 25 years. His clients have included top firms in advertising, accounting, architecture, engineering, consulting, investment banking, law, and many others. Bob has also consulted on Olympic bids, IPOs, and other fundraising engagements and roadshows. Thanks so much for joining me today, Bob.
1: My pleasure, Diane. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. I um, am really looking forward to this conversation, and I want to start by asking you to explain to the listeners, if you would, what the difference is between sales and business development.
1: Oh, that's, that's as, as old timers used to call it the $64,000 question. <laughs> I don't know how many of your listeners will get that reference, but let's just call that a really important question. Okay. Um, sales, Diane, is transactional. Um, there is a seller and there's a buyer, and the seller and the buyer know their roles. Um, they know how the dance progresses. Um, and there's a, a, an expectation that um, there'll be a, a, a deal and a negotiation and the seller is driven to close and the buyer may or may not be as driven to close. Sales is, is essential. It's, it's how we acquire many things in our existence and many things in business. Um, but it tends to put a lot of emphasis Uh, as a transaction, it tends to put a lot of emphasis on price, for example, on on the deal, right? Um, And the buyer only feels like it it, it was a good transaction if they feel like they get their money's worth. Um, Business development is different. Business development is not a transaction. Business development is about a relationship. Um, In business development, the seller and the buyer roles um, really are redefined as partners that are working together towards accomplishing a, a goal that benefits the buyer and provides value or in this case specifically income for the seller um, there's no set um, steps or processes necessarily um, the, the relationship unfolds organically usually in fact driven by the by the person in the buying situation. Um, and there's no um, line of sight necessarily on the steps required to sell or to close. It The closing just happens. We reach a point in business development where buyers and sellers just feel like, yep, we've got something to do. Let's get to the next step. What is that? Oh, sign a contract? Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, and we carry on from there. So. Selling is a transaction. business development is about a relationship. Um, and when you take it from that perspective, Diane, I think that um, the other steps become logical and become um, and become obvious.
0: It feels to me like the business development steps are easier for more people to embrace than the
1: sales steps is that fair that's a really um that's an excellent perspective diane um and i say that maybe a little bit differently than what where you may be coming from but we're both landing in the same place um a lot of people don't like to sell yeah you know the steps are oftentimes are pretty prescriptive you know i've got well you start with a discovery meeting And then you ask the five questions guaranteed to close. And then you you put a deal in front. Um, But a a lot of of us, especially professionals, people who are lawyers, accountants, architects, um, advertising agency people, entrepreneurs, um, they don't really like selling. It's not why they went into their, their trade, if you will, or their craft. Business development actually is easier. Because I'm not locked into this methodology or this this motivation where I've got to sell something. I've got to close a deal. It's almost like I'm creating an adversarial relationship, at least in my mind, between myself as a seller and and the other person as the buyer. In business development, we're trying to build that relationship. We're trying to um, identify problems and then offer solutions to those problems so especially if i'm coming out of a profession such as consulting or or accounting or law or architecture or um and so on then then it should feel way more natural to me to be a business developer than a seller
0: right and right okay i i I completely agree with that um you say the buyers aren't rational and I am really curious what you mean by that.
1: Well, let me, let me be, be really clear. Um, it, it's easy and it's kind of, hyper, but it is hyperbole to say that buyers aren't rational. Um, what I, I think to look at that a little bit more deeply, you, you have to, to see that buyers do not base their decisions on which provider to use, which firm to go with, by by being entirely rational, entirely rational in this case. Um, If you think about things like, what's the price being offered? What is the service being offered? What is the process being offered? Who are the people who will do that process? As the buyer considers all those things, these are rational, measurable, observable aspects of the solution that they're buying. So they clearly play a role in the buying decision, but when the buyer is now faced with three, four, or five options, alternatives, all of whom essentially could offer the same service with a similar process at comparable pricing, then these rational elements, these measurable elements just aren't that important anymore. Now buyers become much more like human beings. They're emotional. They're concerned about winning. They're concerned about feeling good, about looking good, about overcoming fears, about reputation. Um, All of these things that are not measurable and are not process oriented. These are those non-rational factors that ultimately drive the final buying decision. So when we say that buyers are not rational, we're meaning that the rational elements of, of decision-making just aren't as important as we'd like them to be. Instead, it's these non-rational factors that, that create a ranking in a buyer's mind as to which provider is, is the better one for me to be working with. So how
0: does the seller... Or business developer um, meet that you know what 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 do they do in order to be able to you know I, I'm going to use the word differentiate but but be the one that has that that value to the buyer.
1: No, well, we love the word differentiate, Diane. So don't don't hesitate to use that. Okay. Um, but but you're right that it's not as powerful a concept as a lot of sellers would like it to be. But that's probably a separate question that we can get into. (laughs) Um, To answer the question that you asked, the first thing you have to do is you gotta learn what those non-rational decision-making criteria are going to be. And that's very, very hard for a lot of us to be able to do. it's easy enough for us to find out what the rational criteria are. In fact, if, if you get a chance to speak to the buyer before they make a decision, they'll easily tell you, well, I, you know, here's my budget, here's my timing. I'm looking for these features. So these are all easy to find out and they're all rational. Um, but they won't necessarily tell you what's really going to drive the decision. What really makes the difference to them? So the first thing you have to do is you got to get in there, ideally, as far before, as long before they are actually going to be selecting a provider as you possibly can. And certainly if they're the type of organization that issues an RFP in order for for them to go through a a selection process, then you got to get to 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 know them before they issue the RFP, or you will never learn what these non-rational factors are. Once you learn what they are, to get get back to your question, what do I do with them? Then what I have to do is I have to be able to frame my my messaging so that I can either explicitly or implicitly be aligned with what those motivations, those non-rational factors are going to be. If, so, if I learn that somebody is, is just reluctant to hire a firm that's new in the market because you just haven't done it often enough or you haven't done it for me often enough, that's, a, that's kind of an emotional issue. There's a, a fear factor in there I've gotta be able to overcome. My messaging therefore has to be, has to address reassurance and security and evidence that I am actually effective. And even though I'm the new kid on the block, I can get the job done for you. Or maybe I, 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 I spin that message in a different way. And I say, look, because we're new, we're not going to do the same old stuff that everybody else does. We're new. We're going to give you a different approach. We're going to help set you apart. We're going to do it faster or cheaper or better than is typical in this business. So, by, by learning that I'm, I, I, the buyer, that the buyer is, um, reluctant to bring in someone new, even though they say they, they're more than happy to, I, I can play to that in my, in my messaging. And I can start to, to use your word accurately, differentiate myself from the other guys.
0: I see. I thought it was interesting talking about RFPs, um, because i think a lot of sellers automatically assume that it's all about low bid and um, and that they aren't going to be able to have that conversation with the buyer to identify what those emotional decisions are have you found that or because i was a little surprised about that that there's opportunity even with RFPs.
1: Well, there. I will say that that our, once the RFP is issued, Diane, your opportunities become limited. Okay. Um, so don't be surprised yeah. um, because you're 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 probably reflecting what what's what's real. Um, when an RFP is issued, rules are now put in place and of, oftentimes about how much contact you can have with the um, the organization is looking for a new provider. Um, they might dictate the terms around the types of questions you can ask or how many questions you can ask. Um, they may dictate what the proposal is to look like, how many, how many pages it can be, how many sections it can be. Um, if you're going to, to effectively sell to um, a buyer and, and really use their non-rational motivations Um, to help them understand the value of hiring you as a firm, then you're going to have to get in there before the RFP. We just think that's inescapable. Um, You're going to have to build a relationship um, and have conversations with people before they're actively searching for a new provider in your space, in your category. Um, That's when they'll be more open to... To the conversation, to letting them ask you questions, to giving you information that could be valuable to you. Um, so we encourage our clients with with absolute certainty that if you want to be a, if, if you want to be effective in business development and you want to win more often, then you must establish relationships with those companies that you want to do business with before they're actually in the market for a new provider.
0: Boy, I think that is really important. I love that.
1: Yeah, our, 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 our um, success, the success of our clients is really based on making a, a shift um, from a mindset that says, I need to get as many RFPs as I can, <laughs> um, to a mindset of, I need to, to be talking to clients that I want to do business with. Um, and maybe that they'll never issue an RFP because they'll just love me. <laughs> Right. And I can get work out of them without having to even go through a pitching process. Yeah. Um, when, when you open yourself up to that opportunity, um, it, it frees you to be more effective, to be more focused. You know, imagine, I mean, how many are the organizations who are listening to this podcast right now have been driven to get more and more RFPs, get more and more pitches, get more and more proposals out there. And then imagine how much more effective you could be if instead of spending all of that energy across this wide number, this this great number of RFPs and proposals, if I just had fewer to pursue, um, if I'm more and more selective about who I want to do business with, and I take the same amount of energy and I now apply it against a smaller number of opportunities, imagine how much more effective I could be in pursuing those businesses, pre or post RFP, both actually. Um, and then how much more of them would I win? What would my, my revenue look like? What would my profit look like if I, if I were to reduce my expenses of how much energy and money I'm putting against losing propositions? Um, everything, everything starts to connect. And it all points to one thing, which is build those relationships, get out there pre RFP, Establish your value proposition early, um, and win more new business as a result.
0: Yeah, I'm so about this. I um, one of the things and I love that. Real what I what I'm hearing is um, that it really is about business development. That that's the key. It's those relationships, building them, understanding what um, the companies want what matters to them, how they decision make Mm -hmm. all of the, you know, who are they sort of thing, you know, what, what, what makes them tick. Um, That's the key to identifying, are they really a prospect? You know, are, are they really someone you want to work with? And then you're there when they have a need, you're already in the mix, you're already in the conversation.
1: That is so true it is just so true imagine the the go back to that difference between transactions or sales and business development sales and business development if i'm in a selling mode so i'm in a transactional mode i pick up the phone either real or euphemistically and i contact a lead or prospect what questions am i going to ask them are you looking for a new accounting firm are you looking for to fill any opening open positions um i ask them if you have a need if they say yes then we talk about well i can do that cheaper or here's how i would do that if they don't have a need then what do i do well here's my business card give me a call when you need somebody
0: right
1: um and then i'm off to the next one it's almost like a boiler room operation Uh, And I don't mean to, look, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to people who are professional sales. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, there's a a clear and important role for transactional selling. But from our perspective, if you're in a transactional mode, it's very different and less effective than if you're in a business development mode. In this case, I call a client or a prospect. And I'm not asking them if they need a new provider. What I'm asking them is, how's your business going? Have you considered... Um, how are you dealing with this, this change in power structure within companies where it's gone from the employer to the employee? How are you handling the great resignation? Um, what are some of the things that are challenging you in terms of potential changes in the tax code? Um, we're having meaningful conversations about important business issues that are increasing my value Potentially to that prospect, um, and at some point we'll talk about the actual service that I can offer. But until we get to there, imagine how our relationship now is progressing and improving, and how I'm, I'm separating myself or differentiating myself from any similar providers.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and the and the buyer then doesn't feel like they're being sold, right? they, they feel like they're exploring. A conversation around things that matter to them and if it leads in that direction of you know what once we know what really matters to them and who they are and you know how they operate then it, they're more open to having that conversation
1: sure you become a, 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 an advisor to them not not a salesman to them you know we you know i've, I've used at least one Terminal term so far that's dated me. Um, you know, I'll use another term now that that dates me. But but what I want to do as a business developer is I want to be on their speed dial. Um, and whenever they have a business issue, even if it's not something I can solve directly um, through my my service, I still want them to call me. Yeah, To feel confident enough to give me a call and, and ask me for my advice. Right. Um, I'm more than happy to give that away because at some point I know that we're going to monetize this relationship because they will need the service that, that I offer.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you on this. I, I, um, for me, it's not being in sales mode, but being in discovery mode, being curious because then your focus is totally on them and not on your quota or you know having to meet payroll or any of those sorts of things so the relationships you end up getting into are more profitable when it's from a business development standpoint
1: you've used two words diane that that we love um good for you one is curious and one is profitable yeah um i think business developers by nature are more curious um they're willing to ask questions. They're in mm-hmm. fact, even willing to admit what they don't know yes. um, and, and and use the prospect to make, help improve their own knowledge base. Um, yeah. So I think cur- if the people who are curious can be excellent at business development. And the other thing which I think is very poorly appreciated in the selling community is that through the practice of business development, you should eventually be able to make more profit, not just more revenue, but more profit. That's because of two things, um, maybe more than two, but minimally you are in fewer competitive situations. You're just more likely to get work without having to bid for it. So that ought to make, ought to increase your profit. Uh, You can hold your price points at a higher level as a result. Um, and you're also more profitable if you choose to measure profit this way, because you have not had to, um, waste as much money on pursuits that, that you're not going to get, um, you're able to, to, to be more of a favorite for more of the opportunities that come your way uh, because of that differentiation that you mentioned earlier. And as a result, um, you win more often. And that just increases your return on investment for your new business efforts.
0: So I'm so glad that you just said that. Let's talk about ROI because you say that a lot of companies aren't even aware of the ROI of their business development efforts. And I'm really curious about why that is. And maybe if you can explain why they should know their ROI, we can change that.
1: I certainly hope we can. Um, uh, it's it's a great area for exploration and thank you for bringing it up. Um, first of all, a lot of companies, as you said, don't know the ROI on business development because they don't regard business development as an investment, they look at it as, as, as an expense. Mm-hmm. So it sits on their expense line. Here's the money I'll spend on travel. Here's the money I spend on um, marketing. Here's the money I spend on sales materials. Here's the money that, um, here may, maybe they have salaries if they're a large mm-hmm. enough organization to have business developers. Um, so it, they just look at the expense and that at the end of the day, they have a goal. You know, Did your revenue number hit a million dollars, $2 million, $10 million, whatever the number is. Um, and that's, if they hit the goal, that's fine. It justifies the expense. What they fail to measure, really understand is that each one of their pursuits, all of their activities have a cost to it. Um, For me to pursue a particular opportunity, I may have had to invest not just a share of the marketing dollars or a share of of the um, uh, materials dollars, but I I, I put time into it, right? And time is money. So how many hours that I actually put into the pursuit of that piece of business? And what's the cost of those hours to me for pursuing that piece of business? Um, and what's the what was the return that I got from that piece of business? Um, not just in terms of revenue, what was the contract worth? But if I take out all of my um, typical P&L expenses or costs associated with that business, not just the, the hours I put into it, but the actual cost, the actual profit of the business, then was it actually, was it really worth it at the end of the day? So um, I mean, in, in our, in a book that we recently wrote, uh, I recently published um, called winning is better. We, we give these calculations that come out of our client experiences and they're really interesting when you think about them. Um, but we have, we have, Clients who win twenty percent of their account of their pursuits, thirty percent of their pursuits, um, and they might be worth a total of of three million dollars of total revenue. But when you factor in all these all these costs that went into it, the actual profit on that number was a negative number for them. Isn't that interesting? Yes. They grew their revenue by three million, but net profit associated with that revenue growth was actually negative. Um, When you take that same investment that I mentioned earlier of hours and marketing materials and so on, and apply it more smartly, be more selective about who you're pursuing, pursue it better, pursue fewer. um, You could take that same $3 million of revenue Um, And you could turn it into a positive profit to the company. And now you're starting to talk ROI in a meaningful way. You take it a step further and be even smarter about your business. And you can take that 20% win rate for $3 million and turn it into a 40% win rate at $6 million. Um, Or if you're really getting better about doing the things we talked about earlier in the podcast about getting out there before the RFP and building relationships and, and therefore gaining more revenue, holding your price points higher. Instead of 40% wins and, and, and $6 million of revenue, 40% wins is now worth $7 million in revenue, um, bigger tickets that you're selling. And now look at your profit. So when you start to look at ROI on new business, you start to realize that a lot of the decisions that we're making about how we're going to invest our energy and what we're going to actually choose to pursue are inefficient decisions. They're in a they're, they're actually costing you money. Um, whereas, if you if you reinvested differently, you could actually grow profit, grow your company, increase your morale, reinvest in your company. I mean, it's just all kinds of positives that can occur from that.
0: You know, what's interesting is you were talking about that, Bob. I um, started thinking that it's not just the buyers who aren't rational thinkers. Um, a lot of times the seller isn't, you know, they, they, I mean, I've noticed that a lot of sellers will decide that they want a particular piece of business say, because it's large and it, that, that having that client name on their website is going to be a really big deal, but it costs them, they lose money every time they engage with them. So you know, they're not necessarily rational either.
1: Oh boy, is that true? That's a great observation too. Um, how many of, of, of your listeners, I wonder, um, I certainly have done this. Maybe you have too as well, Diane, thought that, um, well, let's get a foot in the door. Yeah. Um, here, here's, this is not a lot of revenue and it's not really a project that um, is our, our core sweet spot project, but we can do it. We'll, we'll do okay and we'll get our foot in the door. You know, we'll build a relationship and then we can talk later about the real important stuff. We've all done it. The, the question that becomes is how often does a foot in the door strategy actually lead to the big work that you really want to the top level relationship that you really want, as opposed to pigeonholing you into just only doing that work, And then I'll think about all the money you spent, all the effort you took to build that relationship, just so you can get that little tiny piece of work that didn't build, that didn't turn into anything.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, a rational person, one could argue, wouldn't necessarily do that. But, you know, the irrational or emotional business developers do make those kinds of decisions and they don't serve you as well as you think they're going to.
0: Right. 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 Exactly. This is so interesting. I I hadn't really ever looked at it that way. It's really challenging, right? I mean, you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, look, our, our goal is is to stretch people's thinking, Um, you know, sales, sales, business development, it it all involves human beings. So no one, and we don't offer a magic potion or, or hypnotism in our service, you know, it's so there's no guarantees about anything, but we just want our clients, as, as like your listeners, we just want them to think differently than they're currently thinking, and to consider other things than what they're currently doing, and to see if there's maybe some value in in approaching things from a different direction than you have been. Um, and and I think a lot of very smart people who are listening to this podcast will see the value of making some some different decisions.
0: Well, I do too. I, I, I think that is one of the things that is so valuable. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted you to join me is when, when they start thinking different, that's when they realize what they can do and, and what is more effective and productive and, and yields you know, better results. You can't necessarily tell them but by having these conversations and just, you know, asking questions and positioning things, they can come to it. But just as we were having this conversation and I realized things I hadn't realized before, it's the, I think the listeners are going through that same sort of, you know, process, those ahas are going off.
1: I can almost hear them right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which is why I'm so grateful that you spent this time with me. I, I really um, very much enjoyed this conversation. There is so much more we could talk about, but we don't have time today. Maybe you'll come back. And...
1: Oh, oh Diane, thank you. I would love to. This has been a lot of fun. Um, oh, you, you can't see the big smile that's been on my face throughout <laughs> the entire the entire call. Thank you so much for for inviting me and, and for uh, some really smart questions. I appreciate it
0: absolutely and will you please tell the listeners how they can find you how they can find the book that you mentioned and anything you think they should know please
1: sure well please do um connect with me it, uh, it's bob wiesner I, i'm sure that my name is spelled correctly in your show notes um and you can find me on linkedin um that's the easiest way um and connect with my company called the artemis partnership Um, We are regularly putting out thought leadership um, ideas, you know, just like we talked about to expand your thinking. Um, Never, never a sales message um, coming out of the Artemis partnership. Um, And the book um, is called Winning is Better, The Journey to New Business Success. It is uh, for sale in paperback and Kindle editions um, exclusively through amazon.com. Uh, winning is better, so please check that out as well.
0: Excellent, thank you. I will make sure all of that is in the show notes, so that people can get to it. And and once again, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Coming up on 5-Minute News...